This is the Saxo Market Call. Daily insights on what is moving the financial markets. Hello and welcome to the Saxo Market Call. It's Wednesday, 9th of November, 2022, the day after U.S. midterm elections, where we're still digesting the results, but it does clear uh, seem clear that the uh, the House is flipping to Republicans with a much narrower control than would have been seen in the so-called red wave scenario. The uh, the Senate looking like it will remain in uh, Democratic hands, but the risk is um, of the out uh, remaining races, and I have a little overlook uh, on slide three, that if the uh, late vote counting in Nevada tilts towards the Republicans, they may yet take that state. I don't know. It's, it's tilting Democratic as, as I speak here, uh, in which case <laughs> Senate control would once again go to a Georgia runoff with the very narrow result likely there because it's a very narrow as is, uh, but with nobody getting 50%, which is required uh, for those elections in Georgia. And, and that means we have lots of food for the conspiracy theorists about uh, you know fraudulent elections, et cetera. But um, I'll, I'll get some more takeaways there, uh, but it's just a, a little bit uncertain as to the results. But the, the headline is that the Republicans underperformed uh, underperformed the priors very badly and certainly underperformed uh, the best case scenario for their case. Not really much market impact from that. I think the market sentiment pulling back a little bit overnight more on the rise, uh, further rise in China COVID cases. Um, but we're still you know, sitting mostly on top of a rally off the recent lows that were inspired by that uh, hawkish FOMC press conference from Fed Chair Powell as U.S. yields have rolled over and they rolled over quite a bit yesterday. Uh, Peter, is there anything else you want to pull out of this uh, session we have uh, yesterday? Anything you're seeing? Yeah. yeah. So that was a comeback to cybersecurity stocks and uh, and semiconductors and and, and e-commerce. And then the lower end, as you correctly pointed out, China um, giving back a little bit of their gains. Um, we have these case numbers. Uh, one of the one of Apple's largest uh, suppliers and large and, and that supplier's largest factory for for Apple is one of the very high risk areas right now where you're seeing an acceleration in cases. Um, yeah, going to be super interesting. I mean, to what extent China is actually uh, able to to ease uh, without just letting this thing, uh, this virus, um, you know, run through society to some extent. Um, super interesting balancing act, and um, I, I I really think it's uh it's one of the biggest uh, X factors for um <clears throat> for a central bank uh, policy and 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 inflation next year. So um, gonna keep watching that, and and then of course the big the big point yesterday was the uh is the nervousness around you know the crypto the ftx uh you know liquidation and and sell off to uh binance i mean what a spectacular decline for this uh young guy sam i mean what less than a year ago he was on the front page is this the new warren buffett you know uh, a wealth i don't know was it 20 billion dollars or something of course which was phantom money and now it's just almost gone a uh, huge crisis of confidence for the crypto industry I suppose to some extent that's why we're seeing we have this ETF tracking listed private equity firms here in in Europe, and it's it's actually the asset class that are down is down the most this morning, and um, and uh, you have these uh, news coming out, you know, Sequoia and some other private equity firms uh, got into FTX and other crypto investments at the absolute top a year ago at out uh, you know horrendous valuations, and now all that capital has just been uh, destroyed completely. Yeah. So um. 
I, I think there are definitely some uh, developments there, and we we have the private equity industry, but for other reasons in our upcoming our richest predictions. But I really think that the private equity industry could be uh, some some very interesting fireworks next year if the pressure is continuing in this uh, in, in the financial industry and in the economy. Yeah, we had a big pressure on uh, the crypto space already yesterday, but it's really intensified. Uh, I, I don't want to get into the particulars. It's a very naughty story, but basically a lot of crypto is getting liquidated and some calling it a liquid, liquidity test because of uh, how much needs to go through uh, in terms of these um, uh, position liquidations. But I, I hadn't made the connection yesterday uh, because we've been distracted by a pretty significant sell-off in the dollar. We've got U.S. Uh, yields coming back in a little bit lower. Uh, the contributing factors to gold uh, those would normally, of course, support gold, but the gold rally yesterday was was quite outsized, and I wonder the degree to which all this crypto noise uh, is contributing to the idea that maybe uh, maybe crypto isn't the hard asset of the future. I, I think it's an interesting angle. Uh, any further thoughts you have on that that account? Well, it's it's difficult. Uh, it will only be uh, down to speculation, John. But it, it, looking at some of the movements in gold we saw yesterday, it, uh, you, you, the timing of it, timing of it was uh, was uh, to a certain extent. Uh, Around the 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 breakdown we 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 saw in, in cryptos at the same time, so uh, I think there, there, it, it it holds some uh, some sway. It's simply also because uh, over the past few years, many has built up this story about uh, gold being an old relic. Uh, Bitcoin was a safe haven of the future, and and uh, and and that may have attracted uh, uh, some some punters away from from uh, from the precious metal space. So um, I think this is clearly another uh, warning call that this is the, the this is. What is what is your underlying reason for for investing into a, into a, into a product? Is are you looking for long term uh, long term capital gains? Um, are you looking to preserve wealth and so on? But anyway, we also had a break up uh, in, in the on the technical side of things, and that's really I think that's that's also why the the rally both in gold, silver, and copper had a bit of uh, got some wings once again because we had, we almost at the same time took out some some key technical levels and and extended towards the to, uh, towards the next levels uh, further up. And you can see that here on slide six. Gold taking out that 1682 level. Uh, we got the trend line from the, the high back in March, uh, now broken. Um, and as we've been talking about for a while now, that 1735, if we start to take that out, we could just really start to talk about a potential bottom in the market, uh, setting this market up for a, for a, a, a move to the upside. Uh, but obviously, before that happens, we need to have a, a clearer sense that the, the dollar is starting to roll over, which it, it does seems as if it is, uh, at least judging from the, the way speculators have been behaving in the dollar market uh, in, in the currency now for the past couple of months, but also how the, the price action is unfolding. But before I hand it back to you, John, just on the on the silver as well, just keep an eye on that uh, 2150, 2150 level today. Um, that is the 200-day moving average and also some... Uh, potential some, uh, some trend line resistance. If we take that out, then uh, there is a, a potential push, a further upside push in silver coming as well. Yeah. So on the dollar, a very important point there. And uh, you've seen a pretty interesting rejection, uh, just to remind viewers of where we've come from. If you look at the uh, slide four euro dollar chart there, just reminding viewers that, or viewers, uh, maybe listeners, uh, the, the big sell-off we saw after it tried towards 101, heading into the FOMC meeting, uh, was uh, was rejected and we slid all the way back to the low 97s on Fed, uh, Fed Chair Powell's very hawkish press conference repricing of the forward curve. But since then, we've seen a lot of decline, uh, a very notable decline in bond market volatility. And maybe the the market thinking is, well, that's, you know, we're, we're not going to get any more, more big surprises out of this FOMC. The data is going to start to soften. So even though we've had to price a new high, 
this uh, lack of volatility means we need to look for another other drivers if the dollar is supposed to stay strong here. So we've seen that dollar weakness right at the cusp here. We do need to get for the formality if the uh, dollar is going to spill uh, lower and uh, look at 145 and dollar yen. Look at uh, other major levels, 65 plus uh, pivot highs that were tested yesterday in Aussie before that China COVID news uh, uh, took that one back a, a couple of notches overnight. Uh, we need the, the formality of this uh, CPI release uh, tomorrow uh, and what's expected there to be tested and how the market is tested. And again, my my key point has been here that if yes, if that is a softer number, if U.S. yields do come lower and risk sentiment continues to celebrate the yield side of everything, that's the ideal cocktail for dollar weakness. But if at some point I wonder, and I think it's likely that if we are heading into a recession scenario, the focus lifts a little bit on the rate side, treasuries could become somewhat of a, a safe haven and then the focus would be on the risk sentiment and whether that can provide any support uh, for the U.S. dollar from, from a liquidity angle. So I don't have an answer to all those moving pieces, but uh, I'm willing to believe the dollar is going to spill lower if certainly if all those ducks line up, risk sentiment, uh, lower yields on a weaker CPI, et cetera. So we'll have to watch for that. And uh, do note the uh, uh, Chinese renminbi, even though the, the dollar renminbi is not making headlines because of the um, uh, because it's it's coming back lower, and that's always the focus for that pair. It is broadly weak if you look at where it's trading versus other G10 currencies, uh, and also just pulling out the relative strength there, especially in momentum terms in gold and silver. No big surprise, given that big shock higher. And then just to round out, I kind of uh, covered most of it on the U.S. midterms, but the, really the remaining question is, uh, it looks very, very likely that uh, the Republicans will take the, the uh, House. It's a question of how many seats. It's only about seven or eight seats that... Uh, you know, difference in terms of the margin that would have been required to flip it this way or that. Uh, so 225 to 210 is the latest New York Times projection. And then on the, uh, as the results continue to roll in, do focus on that Nevada race, because if the Democrats do pull out a win there, and I'm assuming they win Arizona, and I'm assuming they lose Alaska and Wisconsin in terms of the Senate races, that that puts them at 50 seats and therefore the the very, very slim majority with Vice President Harris casting the uh, deciding vote. If they lose Nevada, then it goes to this crazy Georgia runoff. And uh, I think that's the worst uh, worst case scenario for the sort of, uh, uh, you know, waiting and having to wait for this uh, outcome and then this uh, runoff with uh, election conspiracy theories, etc. And, the, you know, it, it's more than a Perhaps uh, it's not much more than symbolic, but if the Democrats do lose control of the Senate, it's pretty bad for Biden as he would become, uh, you know, he would be put in the position of having to formally veto a legislation that is passed by both houses of Congress and then reaches his desk, which he can do and then can only be overruled by a two thirds majority. But just a, a Democratic Senate helps him to avoid those uh, bills ever getting to his desk and maybe uh, is a, you know, a bit of a different lame duck presidency than the split Congress uh, situation we seem likely headed for here. All right, enough of that. Let's uh, let's go to the crude oil market because crude oil was looking on the cusp of breaking up higher, uh, somewhat in fitting with the uh, dollar situation. But we we saw a sell off yesterday. What gives there, and uh, what's what's next? What's the next focus? Well, I think we are we are in for a very interesting uh, development in the in China uh, because the, uh, the some of the weaknesses being driven by by this. Uh, Almost a well, you kind of call it explosion, but uh, really uh, quite a big jump in uh, COVID cases in uh, in China, and really 
this is this could be the uh, the test for the government in Beijing whether whether they uh, again whether they have to potentially choose between a hard lockdown or a fundamental shift in their approach to the to how to address these uh, these cases. So, um, but for now we we have a we have another surging case in China and that's uh, again taking some of the sting out of the rally that we saw last week when the market was uh, rallying uh, on optimism about uh, the outlook for demand recovering in in China. At the same time, the uh, API uh, recorded a quite a big build in crude oil stocks uh, last night, 5.6 million barrels. Also, gasoline was uh, was up uh, against expectations for the head of the EIA today. So that also just uh, saw the market drift lower. I think from a longer term perspective, however, we we uh, we still need to uh, we still need to worry about where the where the barrels are going to come from. Uh, yesterday, the, uh, the EIA in their monthly short term energy outlook. Uh, Downgraded, made another downgrade to their production forecast for 2023. It's now down from 13 million barrels back in March to 12.3. And as you can see on the as, as a tweet out yesterday here on slide five, the uh, the reasons are well known. Some of them obviously can improve over time, but it's uh, labor shortages, high equipment costs, supply chain constraints. And not least, uh, com uh, these uh, companies' commitments to profits over production. So um, that is, uh, I think, the, still uh, one of the reasons why the long-term uh, outlook is is one uh, pointing towards uh, support for for the oil price. All right. Uh, well, one price that wasn't supported overnight was the uh, was the Disney share price, Peter. So pretty pretty big moves there after hours from Disney. Uh, what's going on uh, for that stock? Yeah. <clears throat> so. Um... We already alluded to it in, in both our quick take and um, our talk yesterday on the podcast that Disney is facing margin compression like everyone else. And it's um, I have a bigger piece coming out to today, actually, on analysis.saxo, where I will highlight the fallout for equities in the case that margins go back to just the historical average. And if we get a more severe recession where margins could be and what it means for, for profitability. It, uh, I promise you it won't be a, a, a happy story, but um, <clears throat> maybe I can spin a happy ending to it. But in the meantime, let's focus on on, on Disney, as you, where I just said. I mean, they, they beat on their Disney Plus subscriber figures. I think in the current environment, the fact that you're beating and actually seeing uh, the strong growth you are, and the pressure from interest rates and pressure from investors to, uh, to, uh, to preserve uh, value, I think Disney Plus should take the the cue from the uh, from consumers uh, and acknowledge that they have set the price point too low. They have strong content. <clears throat> they have also set a very low price point to become the market leader. But they they the Disney Plus offering streaming service there will, will won't be uh, profitable until the fiscal year of uh, twenty four. So that's in in two years from now. They they're not following the calendar year, and that's just simply not good enough. Uh, the share price was down seven percent. They uh, had thirty shares per sh sorry thirty thirty cents per share in earnings versus fifty one expected by the market. It's not good enough. Um, they are they spending too much money. They need to be more cost uh, aware, more effective with their capital. Um, and then they also missed by almost a billion dollars. I think more than a billion dollars actually on the on the top line. So that was a five percent miss on the, on revenue. So uh, very ugly there for for Disney, and it just reinforces this um this uh, this margin compression story that we have talked about. And then Tesla, of course, I, I mentioned it. Uh, it, again, down five percent overnight. We as you can see on the on the on the slide deck here, slide seven. The, the closing just above 191, so 191.30 is just smack on uh, the weekly opening uh, price there in, in June 2021. You can see that. You can follow the uh, the dotted red line there. And, and and so we are now in very, very thin territory here. And and 
if this extends, and I, I think there are people out there that are smelling smelling blood here. They want to go after Elon Musk because he filed overnight that he had sold $4 billion worth of Tesla shares. Um, he's invested in crypto, probably has a lot of other uh, investors. Uh, rumors have it, uh, not rumors, but Gene Muster, which is a sell-side uh, analyst that are coming. He estimates that uh, Musk uh, or Twitter has a billion dollars. Uh, it's Twitter, not Musk. Uh, the, uh, Twitter has a billion dollar uh, annually interest expense payment tied to the, this leverage buyout. A billion dollars, right? And and Elon Musk is by far the biggest shareholder. They're losing four to five millions on their operations. So that you can add on top of the one billion in interest expenses already. Um, this could this could add more negative momentum for for Tesla. And it's a highway all the way down to one hundred and fifty if we if we take out the uh, the levels that we are we are approaching now today. Um, and I think in pre market session we are a couple of percent down in, in Tesla already. So so look for this uh, this uh, this triangle of risk uh, crypto Tesla. And Ark, we've mentioned that before. And then the final story to watch today is, is Adidas. So Adidas has been through a horrible, horrible years during the pandemic. They've tried to, to come back. They failed miserably compared to Nike. They've had all sorts of uh, issues on supply constraints. They haven't had a strong uptake on some of their uh, of their uh, clothing lines, etc., etc., etc. And then you had that ye uh, anti-Semitic uh, comment, uh, which ended the the partnership uh, naturally with with Adidas. But there was a clause in the contract. It costed uh, Adidas a lot of money. But they're now trying to reassure the market that they are going to make, which is a very tiny amount of money uh, compared to it, it's like almost a tenth of what they made three or four years ago, 250 million euros from continuing operations. It's pretty interesting, though. The stock has managed to come back, uh, like you said, from a low. I'm, I'm pulling up a chart here. 93.40 was the low, traded at uh, one or closed at 120.44 uh, yeah. euros on the German exchange yesterday. So, um, uh, no, that's 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 probably live prices I'm seeing there. So interesting. Yeah. Interesting story there. Now, on the earnings front, I'm seeing a couple of interesting name, uh, names, and one of those is very interesting for kids, including my own, and that's Roblox. Yeah, I have to imagine they're doing okay relative to their metrics, given how much uh, time some kids can uh, can spend on that platform. Yeah, so the um, the overall gaming industry is facing a lot of headwinds, but there are pockets of growth uh, here and there, and, and uh, Roblox is definitely one of those that have uh, some tailwind. Compared to the vast majority of the of the industry, it's a it's a very compelling uh, universe. Um, it's very um, it's it's very in a very high demand by 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 young people, and you can program your own games up against the the platform, etc. And and some would argue that this is actually a a profitable. They they doing three hundred million in free cash flow uh, Roblox, and and some would argue that this is a more primitive but more profitable version of some time of the metaverse. I'll I'll let that hang there. Uh, I'm actually getting a little bit sick about talking about the metaverse. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, other other names to watch, uh, I haven't highlighted it in in blue. But Rivian uh, Automotive, they're expected to do slightly below six hundred million dollars in revenue for the previous quarter. That's up from one million dollars because they didn't deliver any vans a year ago. Um, so the key thing here is, of course, the outlook. Uh, can they continue to ramp up production? They 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 it's um. They have Amazon as one of their big shareholders. They, they have a huge contract with Amazon to deliver these electric, um, electric vans, delivery vans. So, um, an interesting one, and one of the ones, one of the companies that were really hyped during the pandemic. It reached a hundred billion dollar market cap after its IPO with zero revenue. I think that was a world record. Um, and then I've highlighted uh, Dr. Horton, which which is one of the big home builders in the U.S. As you can see on the little insert here on slide eight. 
25% revenue growth expected for the quarter that ended in September. And that's because, of course, tailwind from the backlog. But as you look ahead on those financial figures, you can see that they will dip into minus 6% in the current quarter we're in, then minus 16% in the in the first quarter of next year, You know, as the backlog is uh, diminished and you have that in impact uh, on new home uh, new home buyers or that wants to build their own homes because of the high interest rates. Yeah, and given the scale of that rate shock, I imagine if you go out another quarter or two beyond that, uh, it's going to look pretty ugly. And of course, uh, equities operate on pretty long-term uh, prospects. So it's a very interesting test for that whole industry with these uh, with these interest rates having done what they're doing. All right, and then that uh, takes us to the uh, macro calendar. And uh, apropos the uh, new home builds and et cetera, we have, uh, and, and home prices, we have the UK RICS house price balance, one of the better and more leading UK house price indicators up uh, at about midnight 01 for some reason they report at that time uh, tonight and uh, somehow uh, supposedly home prices still rising in the UK um, but underperforming uh, inflation certainly we have expectations for 19% so still seeing net positive gains but that is come you know tumbling down from much higher levels 32% uh, posted in September and I would expect that to indicator to go negative in coming months uh, as well. Poland uh, base rate announcement. They're expected to do another 25 basis points today. A couple of interesting speakers on the on the central bank front. Interesting to see uh, Bank of uh, England's chief economist admitting that the Bank of England made mistakes during the pandemic and over overstoking the fires of inflation. Uh, and we have the U.S. Uh, Fed's Kashkari, uh, Kashkari, sorry, he's a voter next year, former Uber Dove, now Uber Hawk. Uh, scheduled to speak. Maybe interesting to hear what he's uh, saying. He has sort of specifically come out and said the Fed is is targeting uh, risk sentiment and financial good conditions explicitly. The S and P five hundred explicitly. So it's a he's taking an interesting line there. And then tomorrow the the macro event of the week again that October CPI data point with a six point five percent year on year core expected that it was a real shocker in September if you uh, recall back that the core rose to a new cycle high at 6.6%. So assuming there's no uh, surprise there, and even if there's uh, on the upside, and if we get a slight downside surprise, I think that's the more interesting test of the market's uh, back, market backdrop here in terms of risk sentiment, in terms of the US dollar and yields, et cetera, which have dropped back. We saw the whole US yield curve dropping back a bit yesterday. All right, uh, it was a bit, uh, a bit uh, quite a bit to get through today. Uh, and we'll see how this election situation sorts out. Doesn't seem to have much immediate market impact. Uh, and we'll see where things stand tomorrow with the next Saxo Market Call. Thanks for listening. This has been the Saxo Market Call. For feedback and questions, reach out to us on Twitter at Saxo Market Call or by email, marketcall at saxobank.com.